You are listening to First Church Charlotte. Praise God, somebody. Praise God, somebody. I said, praise God, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so excited about what God is doing. There are some people in our church who are responding to the the call of the Spirit and taking some chances that has just filled me with, with, with excitement, filled me with joy. I want to say this. It is time for you to begin walking through your world as though you represent the resources of heaven in your world. I deeply, deeply believe this. You need to begin walking in your world as though you represent the resources of heaven in your world. And you need to be ready and willing to speak into people's life. Uh, we've been looking at this for a, a few month, few weeks now. We went from the uh, Do Something Church series on Sunday to the Freedom Church. We've done formalized small group training. I've been talking a lot about how the small group uh, completes... Uh, the redemptive work that Christ has by the great work he's done for us. That's the vertical with the love we show to the people around us. That is the, that is the horizontal. And it has, people have been responding. I want to brag on Tina for a minute. Uh, Tina sent out invitations to her neighbors and uh, a couple hundred invitations. Just put herself out there. I want to commend her for that. You know what you do? When you do that, you make yourself fragile for the kingdom of God uh, because it's easy for in that moment you to, mis- you m- to mistake uh, someone's rejection of what you're doing as a personal thing, uh, not as a kingdom, spiritual uh, struggle uh, type of an event. She put herself out there, had the first meeting at her house and I, 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 a dozen people or so showed up, I don't know, nine people showed up at her house for, uh, for, that, for that prayer and that, that get together. Uh, we, we've got to do this. I, these are just testimonies I, I got today. Um, so I was talking to Tiffany uh, Woods, who is uh, director of our Prosper U that is going on right now. And people, people over there uh, working and volunteering and pouring themselves into young people. Uh, she she actually met with Tamisha, and Tamisha's had tremendous success with small groups in her neighborhood. And so... Uh, Tiffany decided she was going to do something, and she sent out to her the neighbors that she knows, would anybody like to have a prayer, a, a prayer meeting at, at my house? This is just to her neighbors. She had 24 people shine up to come to a prayer meeting, a weekly prayer meeting at her house. I'm telling you, you need to... You need to walk through your world as though you represent the resources of God and the promises of God and the love of God in your community. You need, we need to stop with the, oh, I'm just a little Christian to know what, what do you need in your life right now? I want to pray with you. So I've been, I've been, I've been thinking about this. I've been, I've been wanting to turn up the heat in my own life. It's easy for me as a lead pastor to think kind of in terms of vision and that's my job. So I, I really, what I do is I communicate the gospel and I speak vision to the team that's really my my job now I can do lots of things I can run sound but that's it's really not what I should be focusing on you get the idea it's easy for me to live in the realm of the of vision and I, I decided I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna 
I'm just going to start turning the switch. So today, just driving to church, I got off the phone with another pastor, and I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to pretend uh, differently. Um, <laughs> pretend's not the word you want to use when you're trying to build your faith up. But I'm telling you, faith is believing on something you don't have evidence for. And I asked myself, driving to church tonight, what would you do if you, if you could control the resources of God? Well, I can't imagine that, so uh, let's just take it down a notch. What would you do if you had great resources that you just could bless people? Well, you would walk through your world differently. Yes, you would walk through like, uh, what do you need? So I, I walked in to, I walked in tonight to prosper you, and I always try to get there early, and parents came in uh, with, with, their ki- with their children, and I walked up, I'm glad you're here, you know, I'm hugging the kids, but then I said, how's your week going? Oh, well, it's okay. What do you need? Oh, well, uh, okay, let's pray right now. And right there we started praying. And she's like, man, you know what? Uh, when's the next first step start? I want to come be... <laughs> So I walk, I walk out of the hall into the, into the, into the lobby. I'm telling you, this is just, just as simple as you believe and you can speak what the heart of God to your world. So I walk into the vestibule, another family comes in, I'm greeting them, greeting their kids. What do you need? She said, I need protection. Our kids need peace. There's a lot of strife in their life. I said, y'all get in a huddle right here. And so I just started praying right there in the entryway to the prosper you. And I mean, we're praying. She starts, the spirit starts moving on her. She starts crying. I'm telling you what I want. I want you to I want you to get this you need to walk through your world as though you represent the promises of God the provisions of God and you need to be willing to speak it's not about being mere, weird it's not about being strange it's not about seeing seven devils uh, enough about your children it is about believing that God can make a difference in the real world that people live in so I hereby commission you to go forth and take over yes. praise God somebody I said praise God somebody no, All verse right, number so. 23. So Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, verse number 23. I'm continuing my series, Ask Me Anything, uh, Understanding the Power of Music. I'll explain that in just a moment. We're going to read one verse of Scripture. Whenever, what did I say wrong? Gloria Dios, magnifico enchilada. Anyway, enough about going over to Brother Raul's house. Uh, so I'll let you guys, um, you know, you're not supposed to have tongues if there's not an interpretation. So well, I might better give Brother Rule a microphone here. So whenever the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him, and the evil spirit departed from him, understanding the power of music. Someone say, in Jesus' name, God bless you. You may be seated. So I evidently, sometime in the past couple years, talked about music and the power of music, and how it becomes a shortcut to our soul. And I said some things that uh, piqued some interest, and a question came to me if I could remember what I had talked about, and I racked my brain and I thought about it. I could not remember what I had talked about. I looked through my notes, and all I could figure was it was just accidental genius that just came flying out. And uh, that's, that's what you do when the Lord speaks through you and then you take credit for it. <laughs> anyway, so um, I, I decided the best way, since it was a question directed to me, was just to review this as a subject, to review it as an idea uh, so we can understand 
As a church, we are very invested in music. The biggest part of our service, with the exception of the teaching of the word, uh, is praise and worship music. Uh, It is probably, as far as time invested by volunteers, practice, talent, and of course, money, uh, music represents the largest function of our corporate gatherings when we all come together, the largest part of our preparation, the largest piece of our services, with the exception of the teaching of the word. And I, I want you to understand this theologically, and I want to take some time and give you biblical resources. If you go to our church website, uh, firstchurchclt.com, and click the card entitled Bible Study, you will have all of the notes that I am teaching from tonight, including a resource on the study of music in the Bible, all the types of instruments, all the places, all the passages, all the references, a complete, I dare say, comprehensive review of music in the scripture. I will not have time to get into it all tonight, lest I keep you until uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, There is a lot to be said about music in the Bible. And I want to start with this image that is given to us in the Old Testament uh, by, by the writer, by the prophet Samuel, where he tells us a story. And it's a lengthy story because we are reading the life of King Saul And we are reading how the Lord is preparing one to follow King Saul. King Saul here in 1 Samuel chapter number 16 is not the man he once was. He has fallen far. Oh, how the mighty have fallen is how David will remember him. Saul at one time had been a man among men, a spiritual man, a godly man, a man of, of ability, a man of, of strength, and a man of humility. And he, even after his formal anointing, and we might even could say coronation of sorts, there is a certain humility in him, a willingness to shy away from the crowd, to shy away from the exaltation. But context forms us. Context changes us. And we, all of us, must take care in our life to safeguard things that we face, safeguard circumstances that we endure, because you are not entirely separate from those circumstances. If you are in a job situation that is literally draining you and hurting you, you need to ask the Lord his purpose in having you there. It might be that there is a light you can shine and you need to shine that light. Uh, You need to lead somebody. You need to get busy walking through your world as though you represented the promises of God in that world. You need to start speaking faith and teaching scripture and praying boldly because that world is forming you. You are an open psychological loop. You are affected by the world in which you are in. If you hang around with negative people, uh, you're going to fight negativity. If you spend a lot of time with bitter people, you are going to wrestle with the temptation to make yourself feel better by self-medicating. It's just not 
a drug, it's bitterness. And that's what bitterness does. It's a way of self-medicating, a way of making yourself feel better about things that have happened in your life. You shouldn't be giving yourself something to cope. You should be presenting yourself before the presence of God, not to cope, but to be healed. Is that okay? So I want you to see how how that circumstance, that bad job environment, that negative uh, relationship, uh, it is it is molding you. Uh, you should, men, invest in your marriages. And you should do it, first of all, because you made a promise that you would do it. That's the noble reason. That's the reason that sounds good. You said, I will, I do, for better or worse. And then things got worse. And, and now you're mad about it. And you should invest in it, but not just for the honorable reason of you made a promise. You should invest in it because it's in your interest to have your house be a place of peace. If you're a man, happiness is a happy woman. <clears throat> if you're a woman, your happiness is a happy man. So you should invest. It is very hard for you to have chaos and struggle, anger and rage in your house. And then you step out of that house and step into the role of somehow being an ambassador of hope to a broken world. That is, it's, it's just, it's, it's not how we are, we are made. And so in the same manner uh, that context changes our circumstances, the pressures of kingship are going to change King Saul. His insecurity is going to change him. He is no longer going to primarily be uh, a man of humility and a man of ability, but he is going to be a man of insecurity, a man of competition, a man who is ruled out of fear. And you can take the most beautiful person and fill their heart with fear and they will do the ugliest things. The best Christian, quick Christ, excuse me, the best Christians will do ugly things when you fill them with fear. You take the sweetest woman and you scare her and she will shoot you. Anyway, enough about my personal relationships. Glad my wife is back. I quit my single parenting, thank God. I did a good job though. That's all I got to say about that. Taught my kids humility. Anyway, uh, so David is brought into this moment where Saul is tormented. Now, the, the Bible says that an evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul. But I, I want to point out that lest you go too deep into this and you, you have this idea of God sending a, an evil spirit, I would remind you that you need to look at everything the Bible has to say on subjects like this uh, before you develop a new hard-edged theology. All our theology is held, interpreted by other scriptures. Scripture is held to be interpreted by other scriptures. You don't get to pick one and develop a theory of God sending forth evil spirits to do things. This is a form of speech. We know from the New Testament that it is impossible for God to tempt because he is not a source of sin, a source of evil. So if he tempted you, it would be toward the good, not toward the bad. 
So you have to take scriptures like this and just don't get up on a soapbox. And I know some people have a psychological need to stand on a soapbox and we should mostly leave them alone and maybe they'll do some good, but we should not try to attack them or tear them down. That's, if there's any anointing in what they're doing, uh, something no good will come out of it. But in the meantime, if we're going to rightly divide scripture and we're going to walk humbly before our God, we need to let scripture interpret scripture. So this is a form of speech and I do not believe God sent an evil spirit as some sort of a homing missile. I think what happened in a spiritual context was that Saul had removed himself from the protection of God's presence and he had thus, as it were, opened a a hole in the hedge of protection and now those very spirits that later on would cause him to fall out and cause him to uh, prophesy of an evil spirit and cause him to seek solace with a witch. That is a process that you're seeing here working out in his life. And so young David goes and young David brings uh, uh, his, his, his instrument, the lyre, and he sings and he plays for Saul and it is peace giving to, to Saul. Uh, this is a, a powerful image and I, I want to very quickly speak to all our talented praise uh, team, all of our singers. I want to speak to all of you who have the gift of music in your hands and in your heart. First of all, as a church, we're very thankful for you all. Uh, we are blessed through your gifts. That's right. Um, if you, you will see teams um, all through the scripture. In fact, if you look through the resource notes that I provided, that I will not be going through line upon line, uh, you will see the name of several early worship leaders that were quite famous in the house of Israel. Uh, the names are almost unpronounceable, but they are there in the scripture. Um, <laughs> uh, our, worship, our, our worship pastor has a great name. He has one of the best names that's ever been given. He is a gift of God. And he's a gift of God to us, so we're thankful for Pastor Nathan Mellix. So, but to all you talented people, I want you to see that this is more, this image of David creating a safe place for Saul through worship and praise and singing and song. This is more than a picture of talent. I want you to see this. He is hardly the only individual in the kingdom who can play a lyre. He is hardly the only person in Saul's court who can play a liar. I want all you talented people to get this. It's more than talent, it's anointing. The kingdom has any number of liar players in it, but when David plays, it's different. There's a spiritual component that comes into the picture when David begins to play and when David begins to sing and peace is given as David leads this worship. Music is how we express things that we feel but cannot say. Music is the inexpressible put in a form of communication that you instantly resonate with. Music is uh, more than uh, simply the tune, it, more than simply the rhythm. It truly is the language, the language of the soul. In fact, music is to the soul what words are to the mind. And just as words are used to define what is in your mind, music is used to define what is in your soul. I want you to understand that if you want to understand the longing of a generation, listen to its music. If you want to understand the brokenness of a generation, 
listen to its music. And finally, if you want to understand the lies that the generation tells itself, listen to its music. We are all of us walking in the flesh, children of of the lie. We are the children of the lies of the enemy of our soul. We believe the lies that the world gives us. We think money will make us happy. We think fame will make us have worth. We think approval from other people will finally settle our secret fears of irrelevance. We all believe the lie and we live out the lie. We become the children of the lie. It started in the Garden of Eden and every time you believe the lie of your world, the lie of your generation, the lie that tells you that uh, money is meaning or career is meaning. All of these are lies. If you want to understand the lies a generation has told itself, listen to its music because the inexpressible is put into music and offered as a generation-wide understanding and people can fit into a moment, into a feeling, into a context, simply by sharing music. I want to I want to show you a picture. I think our projection team has it ready. If you guys have that Norman Rockwell picture, I'd like you to put it up on the screen. If not, it is in your notes. There's a famous Norman Rockwell picture that is entitled Love Song. And in this, this story, in this picture... Uh, there is uh, two elderly gentlemen sitting at a table. One of them is playing a clarinet, and one of them is playing a, a flute. Um, and as they play, and they are, one of them is uh, looking down at the music they're p- playing from. In fact, both of them are, if you look closely. But while they play, there is a, a maid who is working in the tavern, and she has paused from her sweeping, and she is leaning back against a window. And if you look at her face, you can see all of the inexpressible, unexplainable longing that is in her heart. She is placing all the unspoken wants and wishes that is placed hidden in music in her heart. And you cannot say what she feels, but you can look at her face and see she is touched. Do you see? And so music gives soul to the universe, Plato says. Music gives wings to the mind, Plato says. Music gives flight to the imagination, Plato says. And music gives life to everything. Jane Swan said, how is it that music can, without words, evoke our laughter, our fears, our highest aspirations? This is true of music. And music becomes, and I want you to hear me when I say this, because I I need you to understand uh, why we as a church have such a big investment in music and why we as people need to incorporate music in our in our relationship with God. Music is a lever that moves your soul. I have, I love to teach. I, I am a, I love ideas. I love to understand. I, um, 
almost to a fault and am unsatisfied to have someone just tell me. I need to try to understand. Uh, you can't, uh, as some of my friends have found, uh, too much to their irritation, and as I'm sure as my parents suffered with much as I was growing up, I want to know why, and I want to understand, and I have so much invested so many hours of my life in trying to understand something and approach it with fresh eyes and and truly take it to first principles. Um, Not just he said, she said, he said, but first principles. Where should we start? What should our foundations be? But I have oftentimes realized that there are things that cannot be shared in language. They cannot be shared in song. I mean, they cannot be shared in Bible study. They cannot be shared in a book. I have spent hours pouring myself into uh, words that I thought other people would be moved by because I was moved by, and I found that not only were most people not moved by them, but most people didn't want to take the time to read them. And I can't say that I blame them because I myself have passed over many more books than I have read. Music, however, in a way that I cannot express, can touch you and move you. When I, I have spent an hour imploring and an hour teaching and an hour educating, and in one moment, music cuts through all the rational. You see, we are halves. We are two halves of a whole. This is true uh, spiritually. We have a physical component spiritually and we have a spiritual component. There is part of us that is best understood as beings. If you hurt your leg, it's going to make you suffer. But that's only half of who you are. You are also a spiritual being. And if I say You are only physical. Immediately you will have a sense of the whole inexpressible elements of life that are just as much a part of you, just as much akin to you as any, any, uh, anything that is physical. If I deny the spiritual, you say that's, that's, that surely you're missing something. On the other hand, if I deny the physical, you're like, oh, wait a minute, my back hurts. I'm hungry. I'm tired. We are halves. We exist in the physical and in the spiritual. And we have a hard time crossing the barriers of our natural halved personalities. But I want to point out even deeper than that. That's not just true in a spiritual context. That is true spiritually. And it is with some effort that we learn as individuals how to get out of the carnal and into the spiritual. That takes time. That takes disciplines in your life. That's why you need devotions in your life. That's why you need Bible study in your life. That's why you need prayer in your life. That's why you need worship in your life. Because crossing this, 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 this middle wall of division is not, is not always easy. That's true spiritually. But I want to point out to you, it is also true physically. Because your very brain itself that holds your sense of self, that envelops your consciousness that is a vessel on which the spiritual soul lies is divided in two halves 
your left hemisphere will control one side, your right side of your body and your right hemisphere will control your left side of your body. And it is as though your whole body is wired as a cross, an attempt to connect one with the other. And so it is that it's intellectually true. The right side of your brain, I believe it's the right side of your brain, is, is very orderly. It is very, it is very um, linear. It is very logical. Thank you for helping me there. Uh, it is very much cause and effect. It is very much if you jump off of a house, gravity is going to catch you. The left side of your brain is very, very ethereal. It's very artistic. It is not linear. It is not logical. It is quite expressive. It is the kind of part of you that would get caught up on the song and uh, sing a song about dancing on rooftops. So this side of your brain is dancing on rooftops. This side of your brain is saying, if you fall, gravity is going to catch you. And it's going to hurt. This cross hatching of our being is true in the physical, in the models of our brain, in the spiritual. And it is difficult for us to blend in an effective way the logical with the creative, the linear with the circular. It is an act of effort to cross those things in a manner where they are not mutually exclusive, but in a manner where they are mutually reinforcing. And whenever you find something that can help you cross that barrier, it becomes a tool of your life of not just the creative and not just the logical, but it becomes a place of productivity where the logical is made stronger through the creative and the creative is made stronger through the logical. And that's where the, the true productivity, this is where geniuses of ability exist. This is where the person who can truly get uh, a, a blend and a balance that to most of us seems like a gift. And this is the reason why I'm sharing this with you in a physical, because I want you to see the whole stack. I want you to see the whole manifestation of our beings. And it's true in the physical expression of our minds. It is true in the dualist nature of the flesh and the spirit. And it is also true in the spiritual realm of that which is of this world and that which is of heaven. That which is of a, shall we say, uh, carnal and that which is of a spiritual, that which is of a temporal, and that which is of eternal. But true progress happens when the blend happens. You see, everybody in heaven is already saved. It's on earth where there are lost people. And heaven's goal is to find people who can bring a little bit of heaven down to earth. It is in the crossing. It is in the blending. It is in where the spiritual is brought to the carnal. If the church is here on earth, it's because God has a work for the church to do here on earth. One of these days, 
saints, we're all going to be up there. And there's going to be no work in the fields when we're up there. We will truly be face to face as Adam and Eve were in the garden before the fall. And that's going to be glorious and I'm going to leave that to God because it blows my brain to try to think about it. I don't maybe have a brain that processes that fast. I'm going to leave that to God. But this is what I know. As long as we're here, God wants somebody who can be a Jacob's ladder between the world we're living in and the supernatural. How do we, how do we in some manner have tools and understanding and learning? And again, this is a whole, this is a, this a whole stack here. It's a layer of things. I want you to see the shortest distance between what you can understand and speak and what you can never express but you deeply feel is through music. And that's why from the beginning you will see the use of musical instruments all through the Bible, all through uh, the history of Israel, from the Exodus to the Judges, uh, to Leviticus and Numbers and uh, uh, Nehemiah and Joel and Amos. And uh, you can read where these instruments are used and where they become part of worship to God. Stringed instruments in Psalms and in Isaiah, psaltery, harp and lyre in Genesis and Samuel and Kings and Chronicles and Nehemiah and Isaiah and Daniel, all these are in your notes. And the uh, percussion instruments, yes, God loves a drum solo. In the Bible, there are cymbals and tambourines and bells and rattles and triangles. They're called shalashims in the Bible. That's in your notes. You're welcome to go as deep as you would like or, of course, never to look at it again. The Bible talks about playing with skill. The Bible talks about playing with effort. The Bible in implores us to involve music as a creative act of worship to God. The Bible nowhere says sing an old song, but over and over again it says sing a new song. What a why, 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 why do I nag our music people to write? I, poor, poor Nathan, I nag him all the time. I told him the other day I, I was thinking about joy. He needed to write me a song about joy. So he sent me a text last week and said I got you a song ready. So why should we want new songs because it requires you to think about what God has done for you. You can just pat your feet with someone else's testimony. You need to sing a song that makes you think about what God has done for you. Don't just think about it. Engage your creative efforts. To answer this question, how can I give glory to God for what he has done for me and the many blessings he has heaped upon me? Sing unto the Lord a new song. And so this you will see in all of these things. Uh, Psalms 33 and 3, sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully. Somebody say skillfully with a loud noise. It's been my experience that the loudest people are the least skillful people. But the Lord's going to keep working on us. Can I have an amen? And my son just got a trumpet and he's learning trumpet. He was so excited to get that trumpet. You never heard so many inappropriate sounds in the house in your life. Anyway, moving along in a Christian manner. So it's not skill alone that you can depend on. However, it is the anointing, 1 Samuel 6 and 18, that breaks the yoke. This is the realm of prophetic music. Prophecy is to proclaim. Prophecy is not, I know we use it as tomorrow at this time, a dead bird is going to fall on the windshield of your car and you're going to know that eternity is real. 
And tomorrow, boom, dead bird. Oh my God, you're shivering. Uh, I know that's what we say is prophecy, and we're not wrong. That is an element of prophecy. But the larger whole of prophecy is to proclaim. And this is the realm of prophetic music where the song proclaims what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. Can I have an amen, First Church? This is the music. 2 Kings 3 and 15, the prophet says, bring me a minstrel. I'm not ready to prophesy. We need to cultivate the presence of God here. We need help crossing from this world to a better world. We need help to get past the barriers of our logical mind. We need some help to step into the prophetic. So bring me a minstrel. And it came to pass when the minstrel played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. You will see this over and over and over in the scripture. You can see the anointing that's on David as he with great skill and great anointing ministers to the Lord and to the house of the Lord. It has an effect on those who hear it. Again, all of this is in your notes. You can take your time and go through this. I'm trying to make you rich in the word here by giving you all of this kind of information. And so every time you see an achievement in the the history and the life of Israel as a people, you will notice that it is marked by worship in song. Exodus 15, you'll see Moses and the children of Israel at the crossing of the Red Sea celebrating what God has done in song. Deborah and Barak at the feet of Sisera, at the defeat of Sisera, uh, Judges 5. David and all of Israel when they bring the ark of God home. The Levites at the foundation of the house of God in Ezra 3. The dedication of the wall of Jerusalem in Nehemiah chapter number 12. There were those specifically anointed to leave. First Chronicles 15 and 22. And Shananiah, Shananiah, chief of the Levites, was for song. He was instructed about the song because he was skillful. And the singers and Shananiah, the master of the song with the singers, and, and you will read where he led the people of God in song. Spiritual worship is a shortcut to get you out of the mess of your day and the distraction of your life and get in the house of God and be prepared to stand in his presence. I want to encourage all of you here today to see the music spiritually. It's not filler. Can I get an amen from the worship department? I said it's not filler. I'm asking all of you to see the music spiritually. It is not filler. It's not what we do, three songs, so we'll have a reason to come. It is not filler. It is spiritual. And I'm asking every one of you to see the song service as just as spiritual as any other part of the service. The word is best suited to apply to the thinking of your mind, but the music is best suited to appeal to the feeling of your heart. That's why we bracket the word with song. We start with song and we end with song. And the reason why is after I have done my best and the word has touched your 
thinking. You now have an opportunity to move beyond thinking and into uh, the presence of God. And that is why we sing. Speaking of singers, uh, musicians, why don't you uh, come up here uh, as we start trying to get done here. All of these things are a part of a spiritual approach to God. And so if we uh, can understand the spiritual nature of music, we can also understand how it can be a lever to use our, move our soul away from God. Music is where people can go to be brought into the presence of God or music is where you can go to be taken from the presence of God. If you are about to sin and some part of your soul is convicting you, I can tell you how to kill that conviction. Just turn on some music that celebrates the sin you're on your way to commit. You will silence conviction in your life because that music will be a lever And in the same manner, it can move you into the presence of God. It can move you out of the presence of God. And so, we as a people, I'm, I'm almost done. We as a people need to use this lever of the inexpressible, this lever of the ineffable. It's a fancy word that means I can't put it in words. This, this lever that almost more than anything else is like a, a fast forward button. And we need to allow that to direct us toward the presence of God. And when we come into his house, we don't need to see this music as, as feeler, but we need to make our worship service spiritual. We need to make the lifting of our hands after we sing spiritual. We don't need to look around and just kind of take in the audience. That's carnal. That's just as carnal as going out and, and, and doing something of the flesh. It's just, it's just a different carnality. It's the same thing. And we can be in the presence of God and just as carnal as if we were drinking a Dr. Pepper watching football. <clears throat> now, you can say there's nothing wrong with football. You can say there's nothing wrong with Dr. Pepper. I won't argue with you. I don't think there's anything wrong with those things either. But it's carnal. Let's be honest. It's not spiritual. It's carnal. It's not something spiritual like fishing. Fishing is spiritual. It says so in the scripture. If you fish a lot, you don't even have to pray as much because it's, it's spiritual. But football, mm, ain't nothing but trouble. I like combat sports. What does that say about me? <laughs> anyway, I want you to see this moment of coming together in the house try not to time your, your, your entrances so you miss the singing now I know we're a metro church and I'm not getting on to you because we are a metro church most of us we're not a neighborhood church we have people in the neighborhood who come but we're a metro church many of you drove up a half an hour to get here because of the nature of Charlotte traffic I commend you please don't not come because you have to get here late come in late I'll tease you but I'll give you a big fat hug to make up for it okay but if you can get here and you can meet I want you to notice our our team I want you to notice how how they they're meeting you right here and they're putting their spirit out there 
They're not up here going, it's all in him, it's all in him. Let's start over. That's not being blessed of the Lord. No, they're, they're putting themselves out here. They are pouring themselves. I'm about to, I'm about to break it down. Uh, they're putting themselves out here. We can't be the audience who watches them worship. You see, the point is not to have a minstrel. The point is to have the minstrel so the Spirit of God can move. The minstrel so the prophet can prophesy. Do you see the... It's not enough for them to cast their hearts out to us. We've got to catch their hearts and say, yeah, our God is good. I'll throw it back out at you. And then they catch it and they say, our God is great and greatly to be praised. They throw it out to us. And you catch it and you say, my goodness, uh, my God is great and greatly to be praised. You need to throw it back at them. The worship team becomes our. They're our rally partner. Partner. They hit it to us, we hit it back to them. They hit it to us, and we hit it back to them. Let's all stand. Music will take you very quickly into the presence of God, or it'll take you away from the presence of God. So use the gift of music in your life to stand in His presence. Use it to fight depression. Use it to fight discouragement. There is so much great worship music that is written. The big difference between modern, and I'm, I'm not the one who noticed this. This has been noticed many times. But the big difference in modern worship is that so many of the lyrics are written to God. And uh, older music, they're written about God. That's the big difference. They're singing about God. Nowadays, we're singing, we're singing to God. Use that as a tool in your life to put music in the times of your life you don't have time to pray. You know, like you're driving and you're, you're, you're kind of distracted. You get on the phone. Let music be the bridge that's always pulling you back to the presence of God. Because we need to be the bridge between heaven and earth. We need to be the people who bring those promises of God to live in a world that is hungry and lost. The presence of God here, healing here, spiritual renewal here. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be with your people. I pray you would in some way let us be the manifestation of your kingdom here on earth. Lord, we we are far from perfect as you know but we're sincerely trying we're sincerely hungry to represent your kingdom represent the kingdom of heaven here we want to be people of worship God we want to be people of worship we want to be people of a new song we want to be people who can lift our voice as a rejection of doubt and choose to sing a song of faith we want to be those people. Anoint us for that in Jesus' name, I pray. Somebody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. I have never gone through a great trial that I did not have a song that I carried with me. Full disclosure. I went through one last year. That was a song. Uh, I, I think we might start singing it uh, here. I think it's on the list of new songs. But it's a song I, I've uh, went to a, just a 
time of great risk and trial and I was so upset in my spirit, so broken in my spirit. And uh, I had heard one song I really liked and some, through some fluke, someone had given me that song uh, and I had it and I just played it. I played it over and over and over. And it's, uh, most of you probably wouldn't know it. It's uh, just a song that spoke to me. When I, was, when I was, went through chemotherapy, I, I had a song that, that, that got, that just, it, I, I just would sing that song. When they put me in that pet machine and it just goes all around you, you know, and you feel like you're in a tomb, you know, I just sing my song. Just sing, sing my song. And you can go through any trial in your life. And if you hold on to your song, the devil can't say you are all alone because you have carried a connection. You have a tether. My song is my tether. I'm spacewalking. I have a tether. I have a tether. And as long as I can find that song, I'm tethered. Oh. So I'm calling you all to be singers. Some of you will bring people to God with your song. Some people will run people off from God with your song. But you all need to be singers. Some of you need to sing in the mic. Some of you need to sing in the shower. But at First Church, we love you. We believe in you. We want you to have a great week in Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.